The Long Box Guys. Hey everybody, my name is Thomas Strange and welcome. Some of my very best friends and some of the biggest world that I know are here with me. Tommy, how you doing and what are you drinking? I'm doing okay. I am drinking some Grangestone 12-year-old scotch. Oh, that's Rangestone. a 14. That's not the 12-year-old. 12-year-old's nice. down here. We just had a Total Wines and More uh, open up near me and uh, my my liquor cabinet has never been fuller. Yours has never been more a place, isn't it? It is. My happy place. Josh, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing pretty well. I'm having another breakfast juice from Treehouse. It's not my favorite, but I have three left. It's not my favorite, but I have three left. It's the last name of my last, name of my last porn tape. Mike, how you doing? What are you drinking? I am doing well. I am drinking an A&W Zero Sugar Root Beer. Sounds delicious. I myself have a little bit of Jack Daniels in a in a little 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 cup. Yeah, it's delicious. Uh, I should have been drinking a dark and stormy. Speaking of which, today we're going to be talking about Storm, one of the great X Men characters that uh, came up in the uh, next iteration. Josh, you want to give us a little bit story of uh, backstory on? Sure. Once again, another one of our our new generation of the X Men out of Giant Size X Men number one, May nineteen seventy five. Len Wein, Dave Cockrum. Uh, taking uh, the X-Men in a new direction. Aurora Monroe, Storm, she has the uh, power to control the weather, which takes a lot of different form. She can throw lightning, or she can direct lightning bolts, uh, cause tornadoes, raise temperature, lower the temperature, all sorts of things. She's considered a, a uh, what's what do they call one of the, omega. an omega level mutant. And she has affected global weather patterns when she's so desired. At times, she has been depowered, one of my favorite times, in her fight for the leadership of the Marauders. She was rocking the, uh, the Mohawk back in the uh, Mutant Massacre days. She went off and had some of the uh, some more memorable uh, relationships in Marvel Comics. She married Mr. Black Panther. She, uh, she's had her own series. She's been the leader of the X-Men. She's really been uh, probably... I'm, I'm just going to say that she is the most prominent African-American female superhero. Well, African. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah. Um, I, I bet know, she has dual citizenship She is an now. African, and she, but she is a citizen of the United States, right? She grew up in, in New York City, so. Did she grow up in yeah, Canada? Born uh, in Africa, yep. Born in Africa. Correct. So she's just African, yeah. So, yeah, I will say uh, the most oh, prominent no. African female superhero i will go one further i think she may be the most prominent female superhero in the marvel universe i can see that ms marvel is probably right up there but i think in only because of the movie like i don't i mean as far as like actual comic book depth i think uh storm's got yeah 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 and, and let me say this again guys just because we're not Ms. Marvel fans and we're just not, doesn't mean she's not popular. I mean, she is popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just don't like her that much. I, no, she's fine. Captain Marvel's been, been very popular. Depends yeah. on who's writing her. Yeah. Just, sometimes I think we overlook the comic books we just don't like because we just don't like them. And that Ms. Marvel has a, a ravenous following. It's just not. It just ain't us. <laughs> I mean, I like some of the books. Yeah. She's definitely the most, she's the first prominent black female character 
in either a Marvel or DC comic? Well, I mean, Black Panther way predates her. No, no, I'm sorry, Black Female. Black Female, absolutely, 100%. Well, Misty Knight predates her, but you're right, Storm is way more Misty Knight was a tertiary character in the Iron Fist series, whereas Storm... (laughs) They were lovers. I wouldn't call her tertiary. I'd call her secondary at, at the very least. She's a, she's a, she's she's Storm is one of the main characters on the best-selling Marvel comic team of all time. I, I agree. I just brought up Misty Knight for historical yeah. reference, but you're 100 percent right. I'm not actually arguing with you on that one. Storm was way up front. Misty Knight was a very good secondary character, but not nearly as upfront as I would have liked her. And she also, uh, in the latest comics, apparently has magical abilities. Yeah, what, how, how did that start up? So uh, one of the writers, I, I don't remember who, made mention of it in one of the comics. She's related to the second Sorcerer Supreme. The first one is obviously Agamotto. The second one was a... African sorceress and Storm's lineage dates back to that. And in the recent Sins of Sinister, there's a whole storyline about her possibly also having magical talents as well. Neat. I like that. In the 2014-2015 Greg Pack run, uh, he did mention that she could recognize magic. So I wonder if that was kind of foreshadowing for what they're doing now. It could be, yeah. Well, I can recognize magic, too. David Blaine, he's a witch. <laughs> How do you know? I can because recognize he magic. He floats. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, you're floating. That's magic. It's bad. Don't do that. I can't prove it. I don't like it. I don't understand it. You're bad. You're the devil. I bet we all have our favorite uh, Storm series. I think Mike and I are – no, I think Josh and I actually are in agreement on this one. I yeah, love the Morlock run. Yeah. 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 The Mutant yeah. Massacre, yeah. Yeah. Mutant yeah. Massacre where she had the Moloch. She's uh, fighting Calibus. She's got the – Calibus hits her with that badass wrist rocket, gets her at the temple. Storm is a knife fighting, and, you know, I learned a couple of things on the street myself. I was going to say, when she takes over the Morlocks from Callisto. Yeah. thought thought that was great. Yeah, fighting the Not same Not using angel. her powers in that, just, just using her own fighting skill. There was one part of that that Josh hated. I think he forgot, and I think I want to rub some salt in an old wound oh, just for right. fun. Are you ready, yeah, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Let's, Do you yeah. remember why the angel couldn't fly after Callisto captured him? No. She cut off something, and you were, like, so mad about it. I'm glad this is cached as a, a slight memory. They cut off Angel's pin feathers. And you were ravenous about that doesn't stop someone from flying. <laughs> okay. You went on for weeks about it. Uh, pin feathers, know. as you explained at the time, pin feathers were more like baby teeth, and it doesn't really matter. But Callisto cut off Angel's pin feathers, uh, rending his wings useless. Like that's that's not how that works. Well, I mean, at the time, I was much closer to living with my grandfather, who raised birds in our home. Yeah. So yeah. I call that now, but I'm sure at that time. 
it was a humorous time in my life because I got so much information about pin feathers from a young Joshua. <laughs> uh, but it was a, it was a really good comic book. It was very it was darker, more sinister, more edgy, very punky, and it was just a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed reading that whole series, and this is the, the, the mutant massacre thing that leads into, and a lot of fun. And I did like the uh, I like the mohawk that looked cool. Yeah, Katie didn't yes. like. I think she actually got better after Claremont left because Claremont leaves around issue 175. And after that is when Storm takes over the X-Men. And even though she doesn't have her powers, she gets into the relationship with Forge. Yeah, I, I think, although I loved Claremont's run, I think after Claremont left, who the... And I, forgive me for not remembering who took over after that. But, I don't know either. Uh, I thought they did a really good run up until the creation of the two teams where X-Men and Uncanny X-Men split. So I will say this. When when the Essential Marvel Editions came out, I bought a bunch of the X-Men ones. And I read them all, like, just tore through them all. And I've got to say, in the Claremont run, Storm consistently issue after issue after issue would create a pea soup fog. (laughs) Issue after issue (laughs) after issue. (laughs) And that bottom Super easy to draw fog. Oh, yeah. Fog is easy. I can draw fog. Super easy to get the X-Men out of wherever the fuck they needed to be out of. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Right? Literary device that just Claremont overused the heck out of. He's going to be a terrific call. Why don't you throw that in his face? (laughs) I'm just saying. So (laughs) when you say that she got better, I have no doubt. Because, like, for a good, like, 20 issues... Like every single issue, she was doing that. <laughs> Claremont's final issue was two seventy nine. Two seventy nine. Oh, I was off by a hundred issues. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, uh, real quick. I, I think this is kind of relevant. Two seventy nine. Yeah. He started in the like sixteen 90s. years. Wow. Sixteen year run on yeah. Uncanny X Men. Yep. That is a long time. So let me ask you this. I remember Storm before the Mutant Massacre as being kind of a, um, she wasn't much of a leader. She did lead at times, but she became a much more pragmatic, good leader after the Mutant Massacre. And I think Storm before that was kind of seen as other, she was written as a little more otherworldly, wide-eyed goddess of the earth. And after that, she became much more humanized. Do you guys agree with that? She was grounded. <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad way of putting that, Tommy. That's a good double entendre on you. No, good I, on I, you, my friend. I, I think we're all in agreement that after that turn, her character became a lot more interesting. She got a, a lot more of a backstory, too, although mm-hmm. they've retconned it a couple times um, in Marvel Team Up 100, I think, is where they introduced her to... Uh, her backstory where she rescued a, a young storm rescued Black Panther from a bad guy, and then they retconned it later on to being Black Panther rescued a young storm from 
some bad guys. But either way, the whole connecting these two guys, these two characters was a really big deal. And uh, their marriage was pretty awesome. Like, she became a diplomat. And her interactions with Namor, who fucking hates T'Challa, but respects the hell out of Storm, are, it's always a good uh, time to see those two interacting with each other. And yeah, I think that's probably the biggest Marvel marriage next to Reed Richards and Sue Storm, right? And Hank and, and uh, Janet. Well, they're still married. Well, they have they keep going on and off. Like over time, that's probably been the like the probably like the third or fourth biggest marriage in Marvel. Yeah, but Storm and T'Challa, definitely one of the major marriages of comic book superheroes, yeah. especially in the Marvel universe. And then they, for a time, they were members of the uh, Fantastic Four. So after Claremont, Mike, it was um, Jim Lee was helming the ship. Byrne had like 10 issues and then Scott Liddell. Scott Liddell, yeah. Scott Liddell, we forget about him sometimes, yeah. Took over for a good long time. Thank you. So nice to have somebody who knows how to use magic of the internet. (laughs) Tommy, I mentioned Josh in my favorite run. So like I said, I like my favorite probably scene would be a Storm and, and Coisto fighting uh, for control of the Morlocks that's in the right, sewers. So, right. Yeah. Right, so, so that's probably my favorite. I really did enjoy the the Greg Greg Pack Storm storyline that where, where she had her own comic in 2014 2015. It was kind of like her I don't know I want to say her like midlife sort of romp where she you know kind of was like screw it I'm doing my own thing. Even though she was in control of Xavier's school, Jean Grey's school, whatever they were calling it at the time, she still was just kind of like, I'm going to go and do my own thing and I can control everything. I'm going to make a lab mutant and just went off and did her own adventuring because she felt like she wanted to adventure. Hey, sometimes you got to adventure. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, yeah, so so, Tom, that is my, yeah, my, that's definitely my favorite. And one of the things I like about that run is the issues aren't really that expensive. So every time Claremont, I've encountered Claremont at a con, even though I own the issues, I go buy another, the next issue in the in the series and have him sign it. Wow, how many of those in a row did you get signed? Uh, I've got like five or six. Wow, that's actually pretty impressive. I've got 16 years worth I could bring to a terrific con. <laughs> I just buy one every time. I sign it. Double dog dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Just wheel in the, your entire X-Men run and drop it in front of Claremont. Be like, can you uh, sign how a much, couple books? How much per signature? Yeah, how much? You know what? I got Claremont. I got it. Let's do it. Take my money. <laughs> but I loved when I when I dropped, uh, I think it's 211 in with uh, where Colossus drops my favorite line. <sighs> I bought that book and then I brought it over for Claremont to sign it. And I was like, Hey, this is one of my favorite X-Men comics of all time. I just want, you know, if you could if you could sign it, I'd really appreciate it. And he's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Oh, Colossus has this this moment, you know, where he he breaks every every internal vow, every 
every like moral clause we've seen Colossus build up over the years and he breaks it when he sees Kitty get hit by Harpoon and he kills Riptide. And Claremont took the book out and read like just made me stand there in dead silence and read the entire book. <laughs> he saw He's like, ooh, this was a good issue. <laughs> I am brilliant. Wow, I, like, I'm yeah, really good at I this. Was, I was I bringing the heat down. Of shit, Claremont. I read your I was novel. On t- oh, Not shit. so great, but comics. <laughs> you're, doing, you're, uh, you're killing it. Nailing it. So I really liked uh, Storm in the Jonathan Hickman reboot of the X-Men that they recently did. Although I didn't last very long because of the stupid X of Swords. Uh, In that, she differentiated herself from all the other mutants because what they did is basically had a backup and ready to regenerate any mutant who died. They could regenerate them from their memories and everything. And Storm was like, nah. And they were like, oh, this is just in case something happens. Nah, if I die, I'm dead. None of this resurrection shit for me. I mean, except the other 12 times it probably happened before this. But sure, sure, this time, this time, Storm, it's for real. I look like fucking Wolverine. Am I going to die? No. (laughs) No takesies, backsies. Yeah. 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 It's everyone's favorite episode. I'm I'm sure Storm's going to go on and and stay one of the big mainstays of Marvel's uh, superheroes, with the caveat woman superheroes. But even superheroes, she's right up there. Yeah, I will say, in the Marvel films, the the X-Men series, she does have possibly one of the worst lines ever. (laughs) Oh, what was the line? I used to meet you? No. uh, (laughs) Was that after the battle with the Toad? Yes. What (laughs) happens to a Toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing as everything else? I think that's the line. What? I, I don't remember the line, but I remember thinking that was horrible. That was like, That's horrible. all that was burnt in. That's why I was able to remember, yeah. the, recall the scene when you were like, worst line ever. I'm like, oh, I know that line. Possibly the worst line in the history of any Marvel movie. My one weakness being struck repeatedly by lightning. By lightning. <laughs> That's a lot of people's weakness. It's a lot of, yeah. I mean, yeah. My weakness yeah. is drowning. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. everyone's weakness. That's everyone's weakness. <laughs> that's, some that's not a weakness. Fine. You just that's fucking drown. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. Sorry. Uh, that was a Sorry. Sorry. terrible, terrible line. There was a lot of terrible lines. Fair. Yeah, I think she was very underserved in the X-Men movies. Oh, so bad. Well, everyone was underserved in the X-Men movies. Come on, man. <laughs> Except for Nightcrawler in that first scene in yeah. X-Men 2. Fair. Right. Totally fair. Tommy, All right, what do yeah. you got in the back of the love box? I have X-Men Deadly Genesis. This is a, a story where, <laughs> where... Where everything you know about the X-Men from Giant Size X-Men number one isn't true. So we think that the the second team of X-Men was created to save the first team of X-Men from Krakoa. But really, 
we find out in X-Men Deadly Genesis that they weren't the second team of X-Men sent to Krakoa to save the first team of X-Men. They were the third team. And that there was a second team sent that just didn't quite make it. And it was a team of Myra's students that was sent after the X-Men to save them. Charles Xavier uh, sort of sped up their training in a matter of a day or two, made it seem like it was six months, got them all trained up and made them think that they were ready. And it was a team composed of Petra and Darwin and and the third Summer's Child, Vulcan, sent to save the X-Men. All of them kind of gung-ho sent in there to, to do the job. And Krakoa just kind of kicked their butts. And Charles Xavier, only person that made it out of that, that adventure was Scott. Scott Summers made it out alive and he got to see that team decimated and Charles Xavier wiped everybody's mind uh, of that whole incident. Including and he put together Scott. the second team, including Scott, which erased all the memories he had of a little brother. Vulcan. Aww. And in X-Men Deadly Gen- Genesis, Vulcan comes back to Earth from orbit where he was laying dormant and kind of wants a little revenge. He he is looking for Xavier. He kind of combined the other powers, right? That's how he got, he absorbed the other team members' powers. Yep. Well, that's why Uh, he was more powerful than... Yeah, and it was basically, it was Darwin's power that really let him be able to come back to Earth. Darwin's whole power is adaptability to survive. And he gets killed on his first mission. What the fuck? What the fuck? So yeah. I will say this about Deadly Genesis. LT was diligent when we were planning our year of the X-Men. And we had gotten to the Deadly Genesis X-Men. And we collectively agreed, fuck that team. We're not going to buy into that. <laughs> retcon we're just gonna skip over them and ignore them and lt was like but i read this like but i read this just yeah, so, for this episode so did hundreds <laughs> of other people <laughs> <laughs> so that's why i'm talking about it now because i read this and i gotta say it was not ed brubaker's best work i like ed brubaker i like a number of the things that he's done but this was not his best work I mean, it's not bad, though. It shows what a dick Xavier is and gives you more justification of why Cyclops eventually kills him. I mean, you know, that and the fact that, you know, Scott's a bit of a dick himself. But, oh, but I mean, it shows why. Cause, cause, you, you know, know why he's a dick? Because there's a lot of people out there trying to kill him and all the people who are exactly like him. Cyclops is right. Oh, oh yeah. go right. ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Every time I hear Ed Brubaker's name, I think of Ed Gruberman. Yeah, we've Put been up this many times. Nah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And yet I still can't stop thinking about it. 
So yeah, approach. not the worst comic I've ever read, but certainly not the best. Um, but certainly not Ed Brubaker's best. But still important because it brings up Petra, brings up Darwin, brings Vulcan into the scene, it brings these characters that some of which are important to the storylines later on. Yeah. And it also kind of shows that Professor X really was willing to do whatever it took to continue his mission. And, and also, isn't that amazing that like he doesn't think twice about sending an untrained team to go rescue the trained team? <laughs> well, I mean, in his mind, That's the only he trained team you got. That's the team you sent. Or trains them. Hear me out. In, you know, you don't in, send a bunch of inexperienced people into a situation where the experienced people failed because that's just a recipe for all of them getting killed, which is what happened. I'm not a man. tactical genius or anything, but come on, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you don't send your be- you don't send your worst soldiers to go get your best soldiers out of a, a shitstorm. Yeah, SEAL Team Six has been taken capture uh, has been captured. Let's send in the bad news bears. <laughs> that was uh, me and Mike were on the bad news bears. <laughs> me, Mike, Ogilvy, yeah, and McCoy's on the other team. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go rescue McCoy. Rescue McCoy. Yeah, he got shot in the head. You can't rescue him. Yeah. Ridiculous. McCoy's gonna right. rescue us at some point. So I remember the name of what I read. But okay. Sorry, it was a One Bad Day. They have a bunch of these series going on, and it was The Riddler, One Bad Day. And this, it's uh, a 64-page story. The Riddler is trying to get Batman's attention. And the way he goes about it is committing a random murder. Uh, which is definitely not his M.O. He always leaves riddles and clues before he does something to And the reason he does it is it's very long and in-depth, but it's a very good character-driven story. I will spoil a little bit. The coolest scene is when Gordon is trying to question the Riddler. And the Riddler fucks with Jim Gordon something fierce. Because anybody who remembers the killing joke, the whole premise was Joker was trying to show that if anybody had one bad day, they could crack. And so the Riddler's like, do you ever wonder how the Joker, who's kind of a fly-by-seat-of-his-pants guy, knew you had a daughter and where she lived? I told him. <laughs> I was the one who sent him to to, uh, to do that to your daughter. Gordon did not handle that very well. I don't think mo- mo- many people would. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a very good interrogation scene. Not for Gordon though. Yeah. I was gonna say, did did the Riddler have one smashed nose? Yeah. He, that's the whole point. He, uh, the whole thing with getting Batman's attention was, I am tired of you hitting me. And if you hit me again, I will kill 
everyone you love because I know who all the Robins are. And then he goes and proceeds to give him their actual names. He goes, Bruce, I know who you are and I've been in your house. I know all this about you because I'm smarter than you are. But you know what Batman does? I don't want to spoil it. He punches him. <laughs> Not going to lie. Punches that motherfucker. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, One Bad Day, Riddler. Check it out. Is that one? So that One is Bad one Day is kind of building off the whole One Bad Day thing that we've seen in the past from Gordon's One Bad Day. Yeah, it's every... Uh, all the major Batman villains are getting One Bad Day. I haven't read Clayface One Bad Day yet, but I've been told it's really good. Okay. Well, Clayface always has bad days. It, Mike is bad the same days. writer for... All the yeah. bad now. Every everyone is a different team taking it on, both oh, writer nice. and artist. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was a little tangential on our part. And Josh, tangents are usually your part. Got a tangent for us? I do. So today it is both tangential but on brand. Since we're talking about storm, Ooh. what is your worst weather-related story? Oh, jeez. <laughs> so Hurricane Katrina count? Uh, Damn right it does for I you, man. I would think so. Yeah, yeah all right. I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. No exposition, Mike? That's what you're sticking with? Yeah. I know I know it was rough, so I don't... I don't uh, yeah, there's nothing we can say to him on that one. Yeah. And go on, yeah. yeah. I don't want to drill too deep on that decayed cavity. But, Mike, you were a true hero on that one, and, and thank you for your service, man. You went beyond, was, above and beyond, man. That was serious business. And Mike, for those uh, uh, not in the know, Mike was uh, nope. Yeah, let's boots not on, do that. Boots, That's Mike's Mike, story. Mike was boots on the ground. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. I was going to go deep into it. Mike was boots yep. on the ground, and you're a hero, man. Uh, I got nothing to compare to that. You fucked us up, Mike. God damn your heroism. I'll still tell my story. It's fucking it's one yours. of personal pain and... It has nothing to do with massive tragedy. So one year, my father decided we were all going to go on this terrible, terrible fucking vacation. And he thought, uh, and my Wait, father, uh, I'm thinking I, I did not have my driver's license. I was maybe about 14, 15. So we knew you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and he decided, and my father and my sister just share a very special familial trait and that is how to uh reserve and pay too much for terrible vacations so they are the anti-jews yeah and so we stayed at this place down in rhode island that my father's friend of a friend of whoever we got the place from said was like a a ocean side property and the ocean was really a salt marsh and the salt marsh was basically full of mosquitoes the size of poodles and so oh, like, we basically we basically <laughs> hid inside and tried to play board games in between the rain, the stench of the swamp and the bugs. It was pretty fucking awful. So we're driving home on the way back and there's a horrible electrical storm so bad that my dad decides to pull over. We waited out for a bit and then we keep going and we stop at this very local tiny little gas station in the state of Rhode Island. And my dad's like, Josh, can you go pump the gas? Sure. So I go out, and it's one of those old big metal overhangs over the uh, over the car, and apparently that metal ha- overhang was not grounded. 
because I put my hand on the gas pump and was immediately electrocuted. <laughs> and so it was so bad, I couldn't let go. So I, I was trying to yell to my dad, but I knew not a lot of sound was coming out of me. And my I, I was watching my, my forearm, like the blood vessels in my forearm break because I was <sighs> gripping the handle so hard. I couldn't let go. My dad's like, Josh, pump the gas. Josh, pump the gas. And I'm like... <laughs> And eventually, my dad just shouldered me off the pump. Good on him. Yeah. Good on him for figuring it out. Good on him for figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. I was miming nothing. I'm not like I'm not playing statue. But yeah, <laughs> like I could, you could see where the my blood vessels and my muscles like broke in my forearm just from from clamping down on the metal pump. Yeah. Not fun. Thanks, weather. <laughs> Thanks, weather. How about you, LT? Uh, so one year I was supposed to, uh, hang out with my parents for my birthday and I got a call saying, um, we're going to be hanging out in the basement instead because there's a tornado warning and oh, a tornado, tornado came through. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. And the following weekend I was heading out to their house to uh, clean up some trees and things. <laughs> I mean, slightly more tragic than the tornado is hanging out with your parents for your birthday. But sure, let's let's just gloss over that. Yeah, I was going to say, why would you? <laughs> By the way, uh, I, well, I just want to back up to your story, Josh. Yeah. There's an entire episode of Bob's Burgers minus the gas station incident that is the exact same story you just told. <laughs> really? Yeah. the gas. No, it, no, no, no. The the, the bad vacation. Oh, the bad the vacation. vacation. Yes, I know they, the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I would have taken the electrocution three times if we could just go to avoided the vacation. <laughs> uh, I don't have a lot of terrible, terrible weather stories because I think of weather as just what is. I've never like been struck by lightning. <laughs> Josh, you weren't struck by lightning, but you were being electrocuted. Lightning adjacent. Lighting adjacent right there. I do remember this one time. Uh, do you guys remember when I lived in Burlington, Vermont with the evil one? Yeah. All right. So there was a snowstorm and it was about we, we, we had about four feet of snow fall in the span of about eight hours. It was coming down hard. And I had uh, these friends of mine who weren't friends of the evil ones. And they lived about just about four blocks away. And I loaded up a backpack with all the alcohol I had in my apartment. I'm like, hey, we'll go meet at your apartment. We'll weather the storm out. And I cut across the school, and I was going over a snowbank, and I fell into a snowbank, and the snow fell on top of me. And the backpack pinned my arms, and it pinned my jacket shut. And I was trapped under the snow for about 40 minutes. And I just could not wiggle out of this predicament. Because the backpack had my arms pinned, my jacket had me pinned, and I, I just couldn't move. And I thought, this is a wicked, terrible way to die. And I got so cold that I stopped feeling pain. I got numbed up, and I'm like, all right. I it's not just as, get to one of these bottles. It's not as bad as that, I guess. And I kind of resigned myself to die in the snowbank. When a snowplow came by and plowed some of the snow away from me, and I kind of was able to fall forward out onto the street, 
and someone said, holy fuck, it's a person. And I just kind of fell forward on the snowbank, and I, like, thanks. And I walked the last 45, 50 feet to the house. I could have died, like, 50 feet away from the house I was going to. And they wouldn't have found you until the fucking spring. Oh, they wouldn't have found me for a while. I was deep in there. (laughs) Well, maybe they would have, because that snowplow was plowing the drive. Yeah, Yeah. maybe they would have got me at some point. Uh, And one other I'll mention. Mike, uh, do you remember when we were living in New Orleans and there was the flood before Katrina? And Lainey had to go back to her house right before we moved out. And the water was about waist deep. And for some reason, we thought it was fine for Lainey to walk two blocks. Right, because waist deep to you is neck deep to Lainey. Yeah, neck deep to Lainey. <laughs> so, so Lainey's walking through, like, chest deep water. She comes back to her house. She's mad as hell. I don't know why. <laughs> like, it's just a little weather. Do you remember that, Mike? I do not. I thought you were going to tell the story of the hurricane that came through Palmer and you were stopped by the police Oh yeah! on your way over to Andy's house where we were having a, a hurricane party. Yeah. Uh, though, so I'm, I'm driving my bike. I'm, I guess I'm 16, 15, 16, 17. And the cop's like, there's a hurricane. Get out of the streets, you dumbass. That was 87. Uh, yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm going to go play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, I did not ask you <laughs> where you were going, dumbass. I said, get out of the street. Like, okay, officer. And I pedaled the next two blocks. So that yeah. same hurricane, my mother caught me just before I had rigged a mast and a sail on my BMX bike. <laughs> ah! <laughs> and that's the only reason Josh is alive today is that Dolly caught you. Dude, I had a rope set up so I could do the. I could tack with it. Like, I was ready to go. Good Fast. Clear. Fast. fast. <laughs> That's where I was going, Tom. I was going fast. Uh, you would have died. Yeah, would have been awesome. <laughs> I love the irony that the cops stopped you to yell at you to get inside. Yeah. <laughs> where do you think I'm going? I'm not just taking a joyride. I'm seeking shelter albeit at a nicer house. <laughs> if a house is going to blow down during this hurricane, it's my house and Mike's house. <laughs> We're going to Andy's house. Andy's house wasn't going to blow over. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, I guess that about does it. I guess that brings us over to plugs. Yeah. Plugs, plugs, plugs. Plugs. I guess I'd like all... to plug Awesome Con. Yeah, where I would we say that. May or may not be doing a presentation. Who knows? Who knows? We won't find out till probably <laughs> about two weeks before the con, if I remember last year. <laughs> Mikey, that's just the way some cons are. That's all I gotta say. As the guy who puts in for most of our cons, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, and I'd also like to say Hey, if you're going to D.C., you know you can get a free tour of... Tour? Tour. 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 Free tour of both the Capitol and the White House. Yeah. You know, Mike, the way you pronounce it, it's almost like you're saying the French word to kill. (laughs) 
What's the French word to kill? To it. Really? Well, that's it. Okay. That almost speak French, Tommy. Did you with your French Canadian? Yeah. Wait, you're the <laughs> but you're the quick liberation fighter, Mikey. We don't talk about that. We do not talk about Jean-Pierre Labatt. Uh, anyone else got anything to plug? I was going to plug uh, Awesome Cons. You got me, Mikey. How about I, Kirby Crackle? They provide our geek rock music every year. Every year? Every, every year? Like once every a year. year? Once a like year. Annually, so like, they, hey, like, hey, do maybe a song. I would like to plug geekorthodox.com. 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 Hello, Timmy. GeekOrthodox.com. Prepare fine stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, sake sets, you name it, they got it. If you want t-shirts, you got to go to IanLino.com because that's where all the t-shirts are at IanLino.com. Uh, yeah. Do they have that a pasta cool. maker? That's poor merchandising. They should just have one website. Yeah. It's very frustrating to shop at multiple websites. Look, well, you need to talk to Ian and Tammy about that. I'd like to get a chance. Well, I'd like to talk to you about it. Anyway, geekorthodox.com. And Solomon Grundy want pants, too. Josh, how about you? Guys? No uh, great stories, books, and games here in Whitensville, Massachusetts. Uh, that place is clean. That place is clean. Hey, everybody, I know the pandemic is going on, but for the love of God, go see the Dungeons and Dragons movie so they will make a second one. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm right, so looking forward right. to this movie. All right, all right. Don't forget what I always say. Tommy, any last words? Yeah. You haven't gotten your booster shot. Go get a booster shot. Shot, 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 why? Why did you have to put two locks on that thing? Is your wife that bad a, a lush? No, or that good a lush? Two. Just came with two. Came with two. Get one for each door. <laughs> I'm like, but it is a nice cabinet, isn't it's it? It's a nice cabinet. It's a nice liquor cabinet. cabinet. I, it had a bunch of scratches and stuff, but I, I got them all. I got a stand stick and got all the scratches restand and polished it all up nice. That stick will get it out, no problem. And Josh. Awesome, guys. Is that going to be hopefully be your sector? Hopefully, yeah. Washington, D.C., especially because of the Ethiopian and Eritrean food, and then somewhat because of... Uh, of uh, Billy Dee Williams and nothing Williams. else. Yeah, Come Billy Dee Williams. Yeah. Billy, not only do you need the Billy signature, D. but I want to give a couple dollars to Billy Dee Williams. I love that guy. Me too. Lando Calrissian, that's one of the great, one of the great characters of that story. It really is. Even ah. the subsequent version of Lando was great. Karen Gillan's yeah. going to be there too. I, I like. I like to get that for sure restraining order. Is that restraining order still in effect, Mike? No, 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 no. no. probably not. Who knows? No. 
Well, look, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> and that'll about do. Don't forget what I always say. Don't diss what you hate. Just promote what you love. You live longer, I promise you. So long from Longbox, guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.